0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss.
1: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and good friend, Alan Peterson, and Alan is the Executive Director for the Compassionate Friends. Hi, Alan.
2: How are you, Heidi? What a privilege to be with you again today. We uh, do these programs, radio, television, uh, webinars, uh, offering people hope, and it's always fun to do, to meet different people from different backgrounds. Uh, different types of work, but everybody we meet has experienced grief, uh, knows it intimately, and has found hope in their life, is doing good things with their lives, uh, helping uh, other people. So I'm always honored uh, that you let me co-host with you those times. I'm fortunate enough to do it. So thanks for asking me today, Heidi. It's it's great to be with you.
1: Well, we love co-hosting our radio and cable shows with you and with the Compassionate Friends and it's such a great partnership and we're so glad that you're here doing this this work with us. And we have a great guest today as you know that I'm excited about. Um her yeah. name is Marty Towsley and I've wanted to have her on the show for a long time because she is our most popular writer at Open to Hope. So, she gets a yeah. lot of people listen reading her her work and So my mom and I were like, we've got to track Marty down and get her on. And she is going to talk today with us about finding a place of hope. I'll introduce her real quickly. Marty Towsley is an RN, MS, and FT. So she's a nurse and has a master's degree. And she is a nationally certified grief counselor who moderates the online grief healing discussion groups, serving over 8,000 members. As a bereaved mom and daughter, I know, right? That's a lot. That's, That's amazing. As a bereaved mom and daughter, she uses social media to inform and educate the public about the grief that accompanies all kinds of loss, including that of a cherished pet. Her books, including Finding Your Way Through Grief, A Guide for the First Year, and The Final Farewell, Preparing for and Mourning the Loss of Your Pet. Welcome to the show, Marty.
3: Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm just honored to be here. Thank you.
1: So, Marty, um, you reach so many people, and thank you for doing that and for you know, putting yourself out there because you touch many, many lives. And I was wondering if you could first tell us about a little bit about your own losses and what brought you to doing this kind of work.
3: Well, it's kind of an interesting way to get where I've gotten, I guess. Um, It all started, my interest in grief has been there for a very long time. I've been in the field for many, many years. But I Somehow I always wanted to end up working in hospice. And when my husband's career brought us to Arizona, I I began investigating where I could offer my services. And that's how I became um, officially known as a grief counselor when I began working for Hospice of the Valley. At the same time, I also was volunteering my services to a pet grief support service through the Companion Animal Association of Arizona and began facilitating a monthly pet loss support group. So those two interests just went hand in hand. And then in, oh, I guess it was around uh, the early 2000s, the late 1900s, I experienced one major surgery after another. Started with my feet, and then I had a knee replacement, and then three hip replacements, and then a um, spinal fusion which required my it necessitated my not being able to make home visits anymore for hospice of the valley. So one of my colleagues suggested that in order to stay in touch with my clients whom I couldn't visit at home anymore, that I would should start a website. So that's how grief healing came into being back in January of 2000.
1: And that was that was before all this stuff was happening. You were kind of at the forefront of all this on the internet.
3: Yes. I began the website shortly after I even discovered there was such a thing as the internet. So it's Mm -hmm. it's been, that site has been active for 17 years. And what I loved about it is it gave me, I, I discovered there's so much information on the internet about grief and loss and caregiving, and every time I would find a resource. I had to find a place to park it, if you will, and so my yeah. website, Grief Healing, became a place for me to list links and categorize those links into um, various aspects of loss and caregiving. Well, now, then I started a message board, and I began hearing from people, um, not only on the message board but via email, from not just locally but all over the nation, and then eventually all over the world. And I realize that this is a tremendous way to reach lots and lots of people and to meet my passion, which is to, I firmly believe that the more we understand and learn about what is normal in grief, the better even we are to cope with it. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that grief isn't something that should be done alone. So it, it enabled me to put people in touch with one another.
1: Now, now, Marty, you're a bereaved mother, also, aren't you?
3: Yes, I lost a baby after a normal, what we thought was a normal pregnancy and delivery. Back when my husband and I were very first married, and I became familiar with grief at a very personal level very early on. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until, believe it or not, until I lost. A dog that I loved dearly Mm -hmm. many years later that I got in touch with the profound grief that accompanies loss of a companion animal
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and while I was grieving for that dog it put me in touch with all of the grief that I had felt when I lost that baby and that was you know nearly 50 years ago and there just wasn't available to us certainly not the internet But there was no such thing as a support group, a grief support group.
1: Well, and I'm thinking, like you said, it was so long ago. I'm wondering if, you know, your loss wasn't acknowledged and it was minimized, and you may on some level have thought you kind of didn't have the right to even grieve, and it wasn't until the loss of the dog that you really maybe got in touch with it. I don't know if that was what was going on.
3: That was part of it, Mm -hmm. And, and certainly... Uh, my husband was a great support, but back then, losing a baby was just something you didn't talk about. Right. And everyone right. I knew kind of acted like nothing had happened, and you know, you're just expected to pick up and go on. After I lost the dog, though, several years later, I was just astounded at how devastated I felt, mm-hmm. and it it induced me to do some research and to find whatever, whatever I could get my hands on to help me understand what, why am I reacting like this? And back then, again, there wasn't a whole lot written about pet loss, but I was able to find several articles and a couple of books. And I, I began to really honor and respect the fact that there are all kinds of different losses. And loss of a companion animal is just as important as the loss of any other family member.
0: So,
1: well, Marty, I hear this often, and people are surprised by their reactions. And sometimes, in, and it can be even harder if the person you had a person that died, and then you have a pet that died, and the pet knew the person, because it's like it gets complex. And um, yes, pets give us unconditional love. I mean, they're there constantly. In a positive way, giving us love all the time,
3: yes, and yeah it, it's a it's a loss that isn't really socially acceptable. it's you know we we hear comments like it it was just a dog or it was just a cat, and you can always get another one and we say things to bereaved animal lovers that we wouldn't even think to say to someone who's lost a human family member and so it's it's just a special area that I, I think needs to be addressed. And I'm very proud to say that after I left Hospice of the Valley to move um, to Michigan, um, the support group, the pet law support group that I facilitated um, was turned over to a colleague at Hospice of the Valley, and today it's still is still going strong. And it's probably Hov is probably one of the few hospices in the country, if not the only one, that still offers a support group for bereaved animal
2: lovers. So I'm very proud of that. You know, my uh, my take on it is <clears throat> surprises a lot of people because in the grief and loss world, uh, with the loss of a child. You know, we used to kind of almost have a running joke is we would tell somebody, you know, my child died. And they'd say, well, you know, my cat died. I know how you feel. And and for a long time, that was like the ultimate, you know, hey, I don't get it, a comment we could ever hear. But I actually have a different take on it. Uh, Like Heidi said earlier, when my daughter Ashley, who died in 2001, uh, when her dog died uh, a couple years later, It was so devastating to me, but what I have seen that I think is actually very good for the grief world in general, I see that the loss of a pet is being taken more seriously, and people that uh, are losing pets, and people that are giving it more credence, because grief is grief, and loss is loss, and Mm -hmm. when you Lose exactly. someone, uh, and something you love. You're absolutely right, Alan. It's, it's not no,
3: taken no, that, far more yeah. seriously today than it was 20 or 30 years ago. And I think, you know, there's a lot of societal reasons for that. One is that um, some couples are remain childless either through choice or through infertility, and their pets become their, their fur babies, their children, in, in a sense. And I've also certainly learned over the years, it's not for me to judge what someone else loves when they... Loss is loss, and you can lose a job, you can lose a home, you can lose your reputation. Um, There's all kinds of different losses, and the worst loss in the world is the one that you're experiencing now, and it's not for me to judge how important that was to you. What matters is the person's relationship to whatever has been lost that's what matters yeah and
2: i i think that's what's happening i think it's it's giving more credence and allowing us as a society to focus on grief and like you say grief is grief and loss is loss. my today is the three-year anniversary uh, since uh, my dear friend our dear friend the grief world's dear friend dr darcy sims died in and she always said something about grief, which I find fascinating, which I think you relate to really well, too, Marty. Is kind of grief is, is uh, like an onion. You know, you peel it back in layers and layers. And, and, and speaking of pet loss, a couple of years ago I was in uh, El Paso, Texas, and I met a man, and he'd had all these losses in his life, including his son. And he's telling me his story after I'm done uh, speaking that day. And he tells me the story about, you know, uh, his brother, how his brother had died and how his son had died and and now he's about 5 years out from his son dying. He said, "Alan, <clears throat> I never physically could break down and cry." And then he told me the story about how a couple weeks earlier his dog had died. And he said, "I just couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't stop weeping for days." And he said he realized that that, you know, that is that dog was just the thing that, remember that little thing he used to hit and push so far and it would finally tip over. That was the tipping point Mm -hmm. for him that allowed him to open up all the grief, like you said, about your loss from 50 years ago. But that darn dog, when it died, allowed him to open up finally and really uh, weep and mourn for all of his losses. So I love the work you're doing Mm -hmm. in that area and giving people permission to grieve for whatever it is they are grieving for, for as long as they need to grieve. And and the only time we lose sight, in my opinion, in the grief world, is when we try to compare any Mm -hmm. loss. We're compassionate, not comparing people. And I I, love your work in that area, Mark.
1: I agree with you, Alan. We should... Comparisons Alan, the other are thing that dangerous.
3: struck me when you t- mentioned your daughter and how two years later her dog died, and how upset that was to your upsetting that was to your family, a, an animal can often be a link mm-hmm. to uh, the person who has died. And once that animal dies, then we've lost yet another connection to the loved one who has died. So, it it's so important, I think, for people to into what they're feeling and and figure out why am i reacting this way and so often it's as i said it's, it's the attachment that we have to whoever was it is that we've lost and sometimes it's an animal can be that connecting link to the person who has died and that's why it hurts so so much
1: i, I agree with you marty and i wanted to ask you uh switch gears a little bit here because i know you've written another book called Finding Your Way Through Grief, A Guide for the First Year. Yes. What advice would you give people out there? Because we have a lot of listeners that are in their first year and they do not know how they're going to survive. And what well, advice would you give them?
3: The first thing I would say is... That book, uh, the title indicates the first year. I think the guide is useful no matter where we are in grief because the second year, a lot of times people get set up to think the first year is going to be the worst, and so often the second year for some people can be even harder than the first because all of that initial shock and numbness has worn off by then, and all of the details haven't been taken care of. and. You're hit with the full force of all of the secondary losses that you experience. So, I don't want to imply that the first year is the most important or the most difficult because mm-hmm. it it there's no time frame. That said, um, the advice I would give um, that's a big question, mm-hmm. Heidi. But I what comes to mind more than anything is that it's important to understand what you're feeling and why you're feeling that way and and to know that you're not alone and i think it's helpful to avail yourself of all of the resources that you can find and not look at asking for help as some sort of weakness it's not weak at all in fact the the person who has the courage to reach out and say i can't do this by myself help me is one of the bravest persons you could meet It it takes a lot of courage to admit that we need help. So I would say that I guess the other thing I think is so important is to recognize that grief is not a pathological condition. It's not a disease. It's not a disorder. It's a normal reaction to losing someone or something that you dearly, dearly love.
1: I, I completely agree with that. And I love that you said that cuz I absolutely agree with you. And too often it is pathologized and you know, too often the label of clinical depression is slapped on people that are newly grieving. Right. You know, right. I I've seen it over and over. I agree with you.
3: Is there And the a- other thing yeah. Heidi mm-hmm. is there's there are so many resources available out there and Open to Hope is one of the Premier leaders in that regard, and I just—I just love to. Uh, when I'm asked a question on my website, uh, on the message board or the discussion group, I just love to go on the internet and hook people up with all the resources that are available to them. And if—if if you're so. Uh, taken with mourning that you don't have the energy to look for those resources and that's a perfect thing to assign to somebody who always says at a funeral if there's anything I can do and sometimes oftentimes there's someone in the family who is very skilled at using the internet and that's the person to ask please find me some help find me some resources that are available either in my own community
2: or on the internet
1: I love that minute.
2: We live in a time now where there are such tremendous resources and certainly what you're doing uh, Marty fits that bill in the same way at the compassionate friends mm-hmm. we now use Facebook um, we have 22 closed Facebook pages which you which are private uh, for all different types of losses so those families who've experienced a loss by uh, say suicide or, or homicide or you know, um, uh, infant loss, uh, we give them a safe place to go and talk about not only the loss of their child or their grandchild or their sibling, but to talk with others who have experienced a similar loss. So the, the amount of resources, like you say, open to hope and yourself and and, and us, uh, boy, that just wasn't out there 15, 20 years ago. So today, if people look, they certainly can find great Credible, great resources and support, which I think is a wonderful thing for all those grieving.
1: Yes, I I agree with you, Alan. I
3: how I find ones every single day I had not heard of before. Mm -hmm. In fact, Heidi, just this morning, I listened to a webinar that you two did uh, with the the organizer of James's Place.
1: Oh, Barbara Allen.
3: Yeah, Barbara Allen, and I had never, I wasn't even aware of that, and I listened to the webinar, and right away I I put um, a notice on my message board as well as on um, my website under, uh, because I have a page devoted to resources for addiction, and it's just, it's, it's just amazing to me how much is out there and if if we don't have some way to categorize those and list them it's it's harder for people to find them but boy are they out there well, well
1: marty thank you so much for building awareness for the compassionate friends and for open to hope and for all the resources out there you are an amazing bridge between those that are on the front lines grieving and and all these incredible resources including your own where thank can you people so much, f- Heidi
3: and I I have such respect for what the Compassionate Friends do and what Open Hope has done for everyone. You're all quite wonderful, and what a pleasure to be able to speak with both of you this morning. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Marty. Lastly, where can people find you if they'd like to find you? Can you just give us your uh, website again?
3: I think if you just um, click on or or enter griefhealing.com, that's my website, and that will lead you to everything else that I do. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest, and I have a blog. And if you just go to griefhealing.com, you can find tabs up at the top that will take you to any one of those.
1: Wow. Thank you so much, Marty, for all the work that you're doing.
3: My pleasure. Thank Thank you, Heidi.
1: Well, Alan, Marty is certainly doing an amazing amount in the grief and loss world and reaching thousands of people.
2: Yeah, she's definitely one of the pioneers, Heidi. And, uh, it, so I, I looked at her website earlier today, and there's just so much information on there that literally you could spend uh, an, uh, a lot of time and just good grief information. Uh, so uh, I like her outlook, and I like all the work she's doing. Another great guest. Absolutely.
1: And for those those of you out there, yeah, absolutely. For those that feel hopeless, it's another guest offering hope. And for those out there that need more hope and that need to be connected, please do go to Marty's site at griefhealing.com. And Alan and I always like to say if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you found your own. Thank you.